You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Pei Chen here with you from 3 to 4 on Saturdays. Kind of a new time slot for me. It's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, Move the show from Sunday evening. So thanks for tuning in. If you want to catch up on uh, previous shows, I do put them up online. The the podcasts are all up there. You can find them in uh, iTunes. You can also find them on my website, which is peichen.com. I am, uh, not to rub it in, I'm just letting you know what I've been doing, but uh, I'm, I'm back from a couple of days in Jamaica, and it was my first time there. I'd never been. Uh, so I was there for uh, like four days, and uh, it was my first time. It was, a, it was a press trip, and it was sort of like a food-focused trip to give some writers an idea of the different um, like culinary side and some of the hidden gems of Jamaica, which is a really great way to share with the people you know. Like, hey, there's this cool, like, I met these really amazing couples who have these beautiful little properties like hidden, you know, partway up the Blue Mountains. And Jamaica being, you know, having such great weather, they're able to grow so much for so long. Unlike here where, you know, we have like our beautiful strawberry season and peaches and and we, you know, savor those when we have them. We were there and we're eating like, um, you know, avocado picked from outside and uh, breadfruit and, you know, plantain and just like all kinds of really great fresh stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Um, speaking of food, my guest in studio, Chef Rob Raganolo from the newly created Carver, because you were formerly of Marbin. You were there for a couple of years, Marbin Restaurant on Wellington. three years, yeah. Oh, for three years. Three full years, yeah, it went by fast. And before that, was that, were you in Spain before that? I was in or? Spain for 12 years. Oh, wow. And in Europe, 15. So I was away for a long time and then decided to come back to my home, Toronto. So Toronto, you've been home for a couple of years yeah. and um, you've decided to start and open up a new place, which is still under construction. So Carver is going to open in the new year. But you've actually, so this is where I got confused because right. I knew you didn't have a space yet. You didn't have a place where I could walk in and get food, but I saw that your food was available because people were eating it. Because it was on the interwebs. It was all <laughs> there over was internet Uber. food That's available. It. Yeah, so we did Uber Eats and some food festival uh, during the summer month. So we started off with this idea about three, four years ago, and we've been trying to find a space, uh, which is not easy in the city sometimes. Well, it's expensive in the city, Very right? Very expensive, yeah. yeah. And you have to make the right choice where you want to be you know, according to what you're serving and, and that style of food. So we decided to go to food food festivals and it took off like crazy and people really, really enjoyed the food, really wanted more of it. So we found an outlet, which was Uber Eats, right. which allowed us to serve, you know, the downtown core. So Uber Eats is like Uber in the sense that you order uh Every like during the weekdays at lunch, they partner with a couple of restaurants right. and you can have your food delivered to That's you. That's right. You open up your app yeah. and you choose what you want and it's literally there in five minutes. It's pretty crazy. It's very fast. Yeah. But it's within certain areas, of course, to make it to That's make that right. realistic. Mostly downtown Toronto Core. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so the food that you started serving at like festivals and, and things this summer, which kept you busy because I I saw you popping up everywhere, right. uh, is what kind of food? Because for some reason I associate I associated you almost exclusively with porchetta. That was one of our featured items. I think it's better to say that we specialize in slow roasted meats, but in general, just slow roasted food, which means going back to old traditional styles of serving uh, roasted 
Sunday dinner almost. Okay. So, you know, like everybody, I think all the great food cultures of the world have this, these specialties of slow roasted, you know, whole uh, animals mm -hmm. or things that are on a spit. And, you know, you talk about Jamaica, you were there and yeah. uh, you probably had goat when you're there. So, you know, slow roasted goat on a spit. Yeah. And um, even just like, even like, oh my gosh, the best jerk chicken right. that I've ever had and right. the jerk pork. And we're used to, or well, I'm used to going to the grocery store or going to a butcher and buying a small piece of something. I'm like, I'll have the two boneless, skinless chicken right. breast. Not the That's entire not... <laughs> chicken. And the reason why you do the whole slow roast it is because mm -hmm. you can take sort of lesser cuts that are a little bit more affordable, but they have the most flavor and they're the juiciest. So we, you know, took a lot of inspiration from, um, you know, my background, which is Italian, and uh, my family there would specialize in doing slow roasted porchetta, which is slow roasted pork. But we also do slow roasted uh, beef, and chicken and, you know, even potatoes, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's all based on this, the idea of slow, low to get all of the flavors in that, you know, and it's things like a pork uh, belly and a pork shoulder that gets marinated in sage and rosemary and lemon and then it's mm -hmm. cooked for about... 14 hours very very slowly rob when i'm food. hungry i do not have 14 hours to wait when i'm hungry i want food in an hour <laughs> well the the thing is is that this is all very if you want to do this at home and the yeah. way that we do it yeah. is we do overnight cooking right so we we will do a very low slow overnight and if you're doing it at home it's very um Easy to do because you don't have to pay a lot of attention to it. So it's mm -hmm. almost like lazy man's cooking or lazy. I love it. You've sold me on cooking. it. Um, so it's the type of thing where you would buy, let's say, a pork shoulder. Yep. Um, and you would want to marinate that in some salt, some pepper, some garlic, and some parsley on the outside, some rosemary. And you put it in the oven on a rack at very low heat, like 200 degrees okay. Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. And you'd cook that for about six to eight hours. Wow. But you don't need to pay attention to it. You can go okay. off and do other things. You don't have to keep like checking on it, no. basting it, You don't need whatever. to do any of that. Okay. Because it's such a low, non-aggressive temperature, mm -hmm. it really, really slowly breaks everything down. And so you can do other things. Right. You know? I guess I've just never had the oven on that long. Right. In my, it, I'm not used to it. Right. Um, so I, I know so you're going to stick around for the first part of the show. If you have questions for Rob about, uh, it can be about roasting. It can be about cooking certain cuts of meat. You know, we are getting up into the holidays. Rob's going to talk a little bit more as well about, you know, maybe changing up your holiday feast a little bit because that's turkey. I guess turkey or ham for a lot of people. That's for a lot of people. Turkey, uh, maybe ham. But, you know, there's a lot of other cool cuts of meat and some cheats that you can use to make Ooh. life easier. Right? Yeah, okay. So Rob's yeah. going to share his great cheats. Uh, Chef Rob Braganolo from, uh, is it called Carver Restaurant Carver. or what are you calling it? Just Carver. Just Carver. Just one word. Carver Toronto or Carver. <laughs> it's just Carver. Carver. Um, so roasted. you're going to stick around and take, uh, you know, any questions. So you can text in if you like to speak to touch base with Rob and ask a question. You can text in at 71010. You can also give us a call, 416 872 10 10 um because this i know some people are like oh holidays are so far away no we're actually a month away mm -hmm. and even if you're not hosting a lot of people i feel like it, it's always good just to know how to do something a little bit differently 
Right. And because we still have to eat every day. And for a lot of people, they still have to feed their families every day. That's right. And I think things like turkey can be a little bit daunting. I um, never, I've never ever in my life cooked a whole turkey. And right. I actually don't ever want to. Yeah, I think there's other, you know, there's other things that you can do that are tastier and a little bit more surprising and uh, easier. So can you tell us actually what bruschetta is? Because okay. it has really, um, it's become quite trendy in Toronto. It I has. feel like... The, you know, porchetta has become the new, the other hamburger. That's like, right. A few, like two years ago when all these hamburger joints were popping up. Right. Now, be right. before, because two years ago, you couldn't go anywhere and get a porchetta sandwich. That's unless right. you were in perhaps like Little Italy or sure. some, a real like mom and pop kind yeah, of shop. Yeah, little specialty shops for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then, you know, there's porchetta and co that opened right. their second location recently. Yeah. Um, so it's become, I think, part of many people's vocabulary. That's right. A few years ago, if you said porchetta, I wouldn't have any idea what you're no, talking about. No, and most people, no, and and for you, that's that's normal. Why would you, right? But porchetta is an Italian word for a roasted pig. Now, traditionally, it would have been the entire animal. Okay. Okay. So, and typically a suckling pig, so a smaller one, boned out, flavored with um, parsley and rosemary and garlic in the inside, a yeah. lot of salt. With the skin on, mm -hmm. on a spit roast. Okay. So slowly turning, getting nice and juicy and crispy. And then that, you would serve that as the meal. But you would do what you would do with the leftovers mm -hmm. is you'd make a sandwich. Oh, of course. Right? So because a lot of times, you know, it would be too much meat. That's would, a lot of meat, a whole a pig. Yeah, but it was typically like festivals. Right. You know, like a picture a celebration in a with a lot of people. village. And yeah. you have a, you know, the entire town comes out and they mm -hmm. do a spit roast. And then the next day, if there's anything left over, you would slice it and you put it on a bun, uh, like a chapata bun or a focaccia, yeah. and you would make a sandwich out of it. And that became very popular in um, little bars in squares in Italy where you would oh. have a glass of, you know, Prosecco yeah. or like a Campari soda. And then as your snack, like your aperitif, would be a very small porchetta sandwich. Oh, because it's got that like salty. Exactly. So it's really of... good to start off your meal with, right? So where my parents grew up in their town, for example, there's a bar that specializes in this. So their aperitif, they're, you know, in the beginning of the evening, mm -hmm. four or five o'clock, people would gather in the square, go to this bar and have a glass of Prosecco and a little porchetta sandwich. That sounds really great. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's four o'clock, everyone. It's time for some Prosecco That's and uh, and porchetta. Yeah. So Chef Rob Braganolo is sticking around. If you have a question, you can call in 416-872-1010. You can also text in your question at 71010. Uh, he's going to share some of his tips and cheats on making some of those cheaper cuts of meat, which I find very intimidating, uh, and make them actually taste good and help you feed a crowd and provide you with some different ideas for the holiday season. Because... I like turkey, but not ev not everyone loves turkey. I think we we make ourselves love it because it's the holidays. But truthfully, it's kind of dry. <laughs> well, the gravy is great and the stuffing is amazing, but yeah. the rest of it can get dried out because people are paranoid about undercooking it, so they yeah. overcook it, and you know. All right, so we're going to get great tips from Rob, and a lot more coming up later on in the show as well. So right now we're going to take a quick break and check in on the roads with News Talk 1010, Time Saver Traffic. Where opinions are celebrated. The Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. Favorite people. Awesome. Oh, hi there. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the show. I'm Pei Chen with you from 3 to 4 every Saturday afternoon. My chef, my chef, my guest in studio is a chef. My chef. Chef Reb, Rob Braganolo, uh, Braganolo from Carver, just Carver. 
which is going to be opening at Adelaide and Peter downtown. So pretty much around the corner from That's where right. the station is. Yeah. And you'll be open in the new year. But right now you've been doing you've been doing some catering orders. Cause, so people have been having your food, which is what I was saying before the break. Um, there was no physical uh, restaurant location for them to go. Yeah. But you've been at food festivals. Uh, you've been participating in Uber Eats, which is a way for people to get uh, sandwiches and lunch delivered. That's right. And some private catering. And so some catering. So some options there if people want to get in. request to have it at their house right. or office. Or so whatnot. people did have, uh, if they were interested, they can they can get in touch with you? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how will they get Instagram with you? or they can email me at info at eatcarver.com. Okay. Yeah. Because um, not on Twitter, as we had this conversation <laughs> yesterday. I asked. Well, there is one now. <laughs> I asked Rob yesterday if he had a, a Twitter account because I often promote the show over Twitter. And uh, he hadn't yet. So Instagram. But Instagram shows the food. It shows it off. Right. The youngins tell me that Twitter's over. That's what I heard. Who but, are you talking yeah. to? 12-year-olds? They're not the ones going out <laughs> I, to buy sandwiches. I hang around with younger, younger individuals. You know? You're so cool. In the cool. restaurant business, they're all in their 20s. They're... So they teach the old man how to, how to be hip. I think there's a lot of useful information on Twitter and also on Facebook. If you have a question uh, for Rob, you can text in 71010. You can call in as well, 416-872-1010. Just before the break, we were talking about porchetta and how it's really become um, I, it's something that people are familiar with in the past yes. year or two. It's now, it's like, oh, okay, you can, you can get a porchetta sandwich in different places. Before that, it wasn't so much of a thing. Yeah, I think you can get one at the Air Canada Centre now when you watch wow. like the Leafs or the Raptors, I've heard. You yeah. know? So it is. it has become very popular because it's so damn tasty, you know? It's so so it is the Italian version of a pork roast, um, but you with the addition of the, some of the typical Italian roast flavors like rosemary, sage, garlic, you know, a little bit of lemon in yeah. there, those kinds of things. Now, is it something you can actually do at home or you wouldn't really do it because it's too much work? You can. It's a lot of work. I mean, for example, at Carver, it takes us about 48 to 50 hours to do the what? entire process. Yeah. But wait, if I at home, I don't want to do a whole pig. No, you. but you could go to, you know, one of the many great butcher shops in Toronto and they will most likely hook you up with a porchetta. So... Um, for example, in Liberty Village, there's mm -hmm. Bespoke Butchers. Mm -hmm. um, I know that if you went there, you could pre-order or get a piece. And there's a lot of really great butcher shops in Toronto now that I'm pretty sure could um, do that. But it's not simple because, for example, we brine the pig for 24 hours. And then we marinate for 24 hours. Wow. And then we cook for about 16 I'd be so hungry because I, I tend to start cooking when I'm already hungry. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it's a continual process, but it's a good result. So I want to talk a bit about um, slow cooking meat. Yes. So you were saying kind of going back to the traditional Sunday roast. Yes. You know, having um, a nice full meal. Uh, we do have a couple of texts in. Actually, someone had a great idea. They said, maybe could you talk about sous vide ideas for Christmas? Okay. Um, is that, that it, That's not something very, that everyone could do, though. It's not. But, I mean, I think it's what you define sous vide as. So sous vide is typically, you know, in a backpack bag, in a plastic bag, and then cooked in a water bath, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about what it is exactly, it's just slow cooking. Yes. That's it. So what we do with our porchetta is essentially sous vide cooking. It's just not in a plastic bag in a hot water bath. Because when you sous vide uh, meat, especially, it, it stays very tender. Very and tender, moist. very juicy. And yeah. because it's that low, slow technique, you don't lose a lot of those 
juices. It doesn't dry out and it so tastes very tender. If someone was looking for an idea for sous vide yes. uh, for Christmas, would you do pork? Like, would you? You wouldn't, would you? Um, I mean, you could definitely do that, but yeah. you you would do part of it sous vide, mm -hmm. and then you would want to crisp it up because the right. beauty of porchetta is that crackling. What is the crackling? Right. So crackling is the the skin on the outside that after you've slow cooked it, you basically blast it under either a broiler or in a very hot oven, and the, the skin starts to dry out and then pop and turns into crackling. It's right? just crispy, crispy and, and salty and Yeah, good. it's just like it's, the best potato chip you've ever had. skin and pork fat. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's not the healthiest thing for you. But, but in small doses. Yeah, you're only having a little bit of it on, that's your, right. yeah, on your meal. That's right, yeah. So let's talk about, we've just got a, a few minutes, um, some of the, the good cheats for people. Okay. So I really love lamb mm -hmm. uh, slow cooked over the holidays because you can do something like buy a whole lamb leg. So you go to your butcher, you're going to say, give me a whole lamb leg. So you don't need to think about how much it weighs. And then you take that, you brown it, for example, in a pan, mm -hmm. um, just so it has a nice crust over it. And then you put it in the oven at 200 degrees Fahrenheit for four hours. And after, it's just like the most magical thing that you've ever eaten. It's just So because you're slow cooking, right do you apart. run less of a risk of drying out? Absolutely. Than me? Because that's my fear in cooking meat is that it I usually overcook it because I'm afraid it's going to be raw. That's the whole point of slow cooking and the question about sous vide is that right. that's why you do that. Now, uh, are you doing turducken? How did you hear? Did you hear about that? You told me that on the, the phone. Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> I you forgot. looked at me My like memory. I just let I'm out like, a big yeah, secret. Cats out of the back. You know, yeah, we are going to be doing Turducken. Yeah. Which for, is, for people who don't know. Which is three animals stuffed into <laughs> themselves. Ridiculous. But I've never tried it. But I do. So turkey, so, duck, and chicken. So it is a chicken stuffed inside a duck. Stuffed, stuffed inside, inside a of turkey. a turkey. Yeah. And then that gets slow roasted. And then when you slice it, you have all of the beautiful tender, juicy meats, all three of those birds. They sound pretty good. So uh, yeah. we have a quick text as well. Can you slow cook roast chicken? Because roast chicken doesn't need hours and hours to cook. It doesn't, but I usually do that technique. So I will start it on a low temperature, like 200 degrees, mm -hmm. and go longer. So let's say go for an hour and a half, and then turn the heat up so I brown the outside. Okay. So when you're roasting, you're always doing, you're trying to do two things. All right. Uh, crispy outside juicy inside right which if you can do that you can pretty much conquer anything in cooking That's well what but because it's usually for. um crispy all the way through <laughs> right. right which yeah because you, typically people want to set it at one temperature and forget about it yeah you do have to go for two different temperatures if you want to get that perfect crispy outside juicy inside. So for something that's manageable for like a small family of right. four or whatever, yeah. then you could do a whole chicken. You could do, uh, but just what, you would add an hour to your cooking time perhaps because you started off slow? I would add, yeah, an hour, an hour and a half maybe. Would you do the same thing for turkey? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It's the best way to do any, any poultry, any meat. Start it off slow. And I always say around 200 Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So 200 Fahrenheit, depending on the size of it, but let's say it's a normal chicken. You put that in, do hour and a half, two hours, and then when the juices run clear, 
take it out of the oven, blast, let's say, the broiler. Yep. And then rub the outside with some salt and pepper and maybe even a little bit of like balsamic vinegar oh, to nice. give it some color. Oh, right. Um, and then that will crisp up and you'll have that dual crispy in outside. And everyone's going to wonder inside. how you did it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Rob. So thank Rob you. Reganolo from Carver. You can find them on Instagram at carver.to. Look for them opening at Adelaide and Peter in the new year uh, for all of your delicious roasted meat goods and the turducken. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, after the break, Now Magazine's ecoholic Adria Vassal, she spends her time digging into all the nasty things about your favorite products and companies so that you can make the best choices. She's going to tell us what she's found out about your favorite instant noodles and the companies behind your favorite soft drinks. You're going to want to know about this. But uh, we're taking a quick break here. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Also, thanks for your text messages when uh, Rob was here. You can, again, find him on Instagram at carver.to. And uh, I was mentioning just before the break that, uh, you know, that cheap and easy package of instant ramen, you know, very satisfying. But uh, you're probably not surprised to know that it's not full of healthy things. But um, you might be surprised to know that there are other things you should be concerned about, especially if you have, you know, some more eco-friendly interests and causes. You want to know how the popular instant noodle companies stack up. And uh, Adria Vassal, who's the ecoholic columnist for Now Magazine, she does all the dirty work and then shares it in little easy bite-sized bits of information. Much easier for me. Hey, Adria. Hey, Pei. How's it going? I'm doing well. Um, So I saw your column that you had written about like these different instant noodle um, companies and it just reminds me of course of university because like yeah. you could buy I remember I don't I don't know how much they are now but you could buy three or four packages for a dollar when oh, I was in school. Oh, cheap. Yeah, exactly. So, and so there's like four meals for a dollar. So it you know it is a cheap affordable meal for a lot of people and even though now I don't need to worry about you know spending only 25 cents on a meal. Um, my dad, who is 76, he still, it drives my mother crazy because he stocks up on, he loves some of the Japanese flavors of uh, instant noodles. Oh, so he yeah. hides them in a cupboard and when she's not home, he likes to have his instant noodles. And we're always like, there's too much salt in there. There's all these chemicals. There's all this like <laughs> terrible stuff. But he still loves to eat it. But you did a little bit of digging and, yeah. you know, if we're... So what we're talking about isn't so much the health aspect of it. It is a little bit, but no one's pretending that it's good for you. It's got a lot of salt no. in there. It's got a lot of other stuff. For sure. Yeah, definitely. But there is, you know, you're actually swallowing a lot more controversy than you bargained for. You know, you might realize it's not the healthiest way to get full, but it's definitely cheap. It's definitely nourishing. But it's interesting when you actually look at the ingredients. Um, most of the ramen and instant noodle on the market, they're fried in palm oil. And the interesting thing about palm oil is that it's a really, really controversial oil because it's tied to some terrible practices uh, where palm oil is and palm plantations are grown, basically Indonesia and Malaysia mostly, um, where they, it's been a problem with the fires in in Indonesia where they, you know, uh, are actually clearing land, uh, rainforest, etc., by just burning it down and um, then planting palm plantations. And um, it's been threatening endangered species like orangutans and all kinds of animals. And, um, and you know, we've seen, like, the, the recent fires we're seeing uh, in Southeast Asia were actually partly linked to those palm oil plantations that were, you know, 
burning the rainforest to get it done. And so that's a big problem. And also, you know, the palm oil industry, there's been some big reports about how it's rife with human trafficking and child oh. labor so, okay, and forced so labor. I, had no, I, I didn't know this. Like, it's I mean, crazy. to me, it's like, you know, when I look at, I don't look at the, I don't worry about the type of oil so much when I look at the an ingredient list, I guess. I think like, Most oh, there's coconut don't. oil, palm, it's got to be cooked in something. But I, I don't quite associate that with um, terrible you know, human trafficking or environmental damage. Yeah, and I think most of us don't. You know, we just kind of see, okay, it's a, you know, it's a vegetable oil. What's the problem? And right. move on. Um, but it's actually a really destructive ingredient that's not just in our noodles, but, I mean, it's in all kinds of food, cookies. Um, it's in all, the, all our beauty products and soaps. You know, if you is pick it, up a bar of soap, it's in there, too. Um, oh, is it so because it's, it's, it's an incredible, it's a cheap oil, obviously, then, it's, right? It's really cheap, exactly. That's the thing. And um, and part of why it's cheap is because, like we're seeing, there's these issues with, you know, they're using free labor. They're, they're, they're using human trafficking, child labor, forced labor. So um, it keeps it cheap and cheerful, but not that cheerful for the people who are actually involved with, uh, with growing it. So, you know, I encourage people to either look for, you know, food products that are free of palm oil mm-hmm. or, you know, investigate a little bit further if you're going to actually choose one of the brands that does use it. Because now there's been huge pressure from uh, all kinds of environmental groups like Rainforest Action Network and a union of concerned scientists that um, have pushed big, big players in the industry to clean up their palm sourcing and actually, um, you know, commit to deforestation-free palm and palm-free uh, human rights abuses and that kind of thing. But these big noodle soup companies like Nissin and that does, you know, your typical cup cup mm-hmm. noodles and, you know, Mr. Noodles, those kinds of things, they have not made those commitments. So I think it's really important that, you know, as, as consumers that like to buy this stuff, we get on their Twitter, we get on their Facebook, we call them and we let them know that this ain't cool. They've, they've got to make the changes and catch up to the rest of the industry that, that is responding to consumer pressure. Now, if, you know, if instant noodles cooked in palm oil seems to be the standard and seems to be uh, what most of them are doing, uh, what, are the, what are our options like, well, are there actually that? Because if I have to really, really, really dig for a package of noodles that isn't cooked in palm oil, that could be, you know, that's going to be a lot of work. Well, you know, I mean, the easiest way to kind of choose a more sustainable brand is to look for uh, the organic seal on there. It will cost you a little bit more, um, but you can actually get ramen from the health food store, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> they have, they have, you know, a few brands that are. 100% organic or at least mostly organic and the ingredients in there are, are nice and clean. You don't have to worry about, you know, feeling guilty about eating your ramen. You can enjoy right. them in peace. And I actually have uh, some information if, if you check out my column on ramen uh, on making it yourself. I mean, you I can saw actually... that a DIY, which is actually really, it's really cheap to make it yourself. It just takes a, a little bit of planning. It takes a little bit of planning, but you know, just go to the dollar store and get some of those like lidded glass jars that kind of the lid flips off to the side and you can, or you can snap it down, mm-hmm. get a few of those in the size that you like. And then all you have to do is put in a bit of, you know, um, like rice vermicelli. I prefer obviously organic, um, you know, rice vermicelli, those kinds of noodles that are quick cooking, um, you know, rice pad thai, rice based pad thai. And yeah, throw in like a tablespoon of miso paste, a dash of sesame oil, soy sauce, you know, hot sauce. And then you can throw in just like a handful of, of frozen veggies or just, you know, if you're a little bit more ambitious, you can chop up some at the beginning of the week and make a few to last you the week. And literally all I have to do is pour some hot water on it and let it sit for like 
10 minutes and your lunch is ready. So, okay, it's not your instant <laughs> noodle. It's not as instant. <laughs> but it's a pretty quick lunch and yeah. it's super tasty and nutritious and you don't have to worry about dodgy ingredients in there. Right. Um, well, good tips. And, of course, you can find that uh, on Now Magazine and also all Adria's info is adriavassel.com. So we just got a few minutes left. Let's talk about your most recent column about soft drinks. So yeah. whether or not people – some people, you know, that's sort of their daily – instead of coffee, they, they have a pop. Um, but also because we're getting into holiday time and people are thinking of – mixing, you know, uh, cocktails for when they're entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. So we were putting out the now holiday food and drink guide this week. And, um, and, you know, even if you yourself don't drink pop, we tend to kind of stockpile it for guests if we're having parties. And, but, you know, the big problem is if actually you're the big daily consumer or if your kids are, um, the stuff that's in those cans, we know it's not that healthy, but some of us, you know, might switch to some alternatives like Pepsi next or, you know, a sugar-free version, but, you know, Pretty much all the mainstream cans on the market, there's something wrong with them. I hate to be the party pooper, the you know the big Debbie Downer here, but you are a little bit, but that's okay. It's informative. I always you know try to end on a positive note with some positive suggestions, but yeah, the you know the problem with Coke and Pepsi and all those soft drinks is mostly the high fructose corn syrup. You know, it's not just unhealthy, tied to obesity and all kinds of problems, but you know the the um, corn that's used behind up is is heavily sprayed Roundup Ready corn that just spiked the amount of pesticides that have been used in, in North America. And that glyphosate that's used on that corn has now been deferred, declared an official carcinogen. So not a good thing. And then even like Pepsi Next, they might put some herbal stevia in there. But when I called them and said, well, what's your other, you know, mystery sugar that you don't name? They're like, well, yeah, it's a blend of corn syrup and cane sugar. But then even cane sugar, I found reports of Oxfam saying, yeah, cane sugar, it sounds oh. like it's really natural, but it's tied to some big problems with stealing farmland from the world's poorest and um, taking it away from them to, to plant cane sugar. And I'm like, so even some ingredient that's in all this health food store stuff, like cane sugar. Everything you know, makes me feel bad. <laughs> so luckily there are alternatives. I found okay. some really cool brands, you know, right. that are um, using different ingredients. There's a company out of Brooklyn that's actually making really cool colas and stuff, you know, ginger beer, even tonics that are using organic agave syrup as a sweetener. Yeah. And um, so that's pretty cool. There's even a company in Quebec. I didn't include it in the column because mm-hmm. it's not actually available in Toronto yet, but I spoke to them and they said they're trying to get it in Toronto very soon. It's called BEC Beck Soda, and they use organic Quebec maple syrup and oh, you nice. know all organic ingredients. Really cool, really tasty. And then, of course, couldn't end the column without offering a <laughs> DIY option. So you can actually pay, make yes. your own cola. So yeah. everything we buy can pretty be pretty much be made at home. And it's again it takes like. It, it takes a little bit of time, and you need a few spices to make it, but it's really tasty. It's cool. Like, I'm not a big Coke fan, but um, if you try making it yourself, I challenge you okay. to <laughs> pick up my recipe and give it a go. At least you know what's in there. So it's uh, in Adria's latest column for Now Magazine. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks AdriaVassal.com, so and you can find our column in Now. After the break, uh, we'll be updating you on just kind of the facts, things you might want to know when it comes to HIV and AIDS. Charlie Sheen, of course, with his big announcement, kind of brought it to the forefront this past week again, so it's good to be talking about it. Uh, but we'll take a b- quick break here on the Pay Chen Show. Be back right after this. This is the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, hope you're having a great weekend so far, despite the kind of uh, gray weather out there. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a celebrity's personal life to bring you know important issues and causes back to the tops 
of our minds. And usually, this is the thing, is I don't like to talk a lot about celebrity happenings and whatever, just a lot of drivel oftentimes. But then, you know, once in a while something happens that gets everyone talking. And, you know, if there's anything good that might come of it, it's that it gets people talking about important issues. So earlier this week, actor Charlie Sheen, he announced that he's been living with HIV for a number of years, and that really shocked a lot of people. And it got people talking again and kind of um, brought the conversation to the tops of people's minds. But then what I realized after that was how much misinformation is still out there. And, and it's not bad to sometimes get a little refresher or be reminded of the, you know, of the seriousness of HIV and AIDS, and also what we can be doing to help it. So I've got Dr. Stanley Reed on the line, Canfar Research Chair. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Reed. Good afternoon. So I know that we're going to talk a bit more about Canfar. It stands for the Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research. But when you hear about um, big news that breaks, like, you know, Charlie Sheen making his announcement, uh, what's your first thought? Well, I think that it's, it's good that public be reminded that uh, you don't know who might have HIV. There mm -hmm. are some very healthy, normal-looking uh, people who are infected and live normal lives with HIV. And this is all because we now have such uh, great medication combinations to keep these people well so that they can live uh, essentially normal life, uh, lifespans. Now, is there, have you, um, is there an increase in HIV in certain groups? Well, there is. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, locally, mm -hmm. within our context, uh, there, there are still uh, transmissions going on, and particularly at risk groups include men who have sex with men, and, and particularly in the younger age groups and also in the u older age groups in that setting. But it's also still occurring in heterosexual transmission and uh, so in, in needle users, injection drug users, and things like that. So it's, it's ongoing. It's certainly something that uh, is still a problem uh, and needs further work and research to try and uh, improve the situation. I think uh, some listeners and, and just people in general tend to think that it's not the biggest problem for us in Canada. Well, yes, and unfortunately that's, you know, some more misinformation. Uh, it is a problem here. Uh, it is something that we always have to keep in mind and be aware of. For example, all pregnant women need to be tested for HIV because you never know for sure uh, whether or not you might have been infected from a sexual partner in particular. Uh, and it's important to know so that we can actually prevent infections in babies. We now know that if a pregnant woman is HIV infected and goes on treatment, that there's almost a 99, almost 100% uh, reduction in the risk to the baby being infected. So that we say less than 1% will be infected if mom is treated appropriately and at the right time with the right drugs. Uh, but essentially, if, if that's the case, then babies are not infected with HIV, which again has made a tremendous difference in terms of that at-risk population. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this um, very surprising statistics, and I think this might um, put it into context for, for Canadians who think it's maybe not, you know, the biggest issue for them to be worrying about. And I'm not saying that it is, but um, that one quarter of people don't know that they're infected. And um, if we're going to talk in Canada, every three hours in Canada, 
someone is infected with HIV. That really puts it into perspective for me. That's true. Um, and, you know, it, people need to be aware that, that as long as they're sexually active, and particularly if they have, have had at any point more than one partner, uh, it's wise to be tested because you may think you're well and yet the virus is there. Uh, it takes an average of 10 years from infection to the time of developing symptoms. So really, you could be infected and, li- and be living with HIV for a long time before you start to get sick. And also during that period of time, of course, there's a risk to your sexual partner or partners. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking at this other statistic that says uh, there have been 2.1 million new cases of HIV reported annually. Oh, yes. Transmission, as far as the world is concerned, is enormous. And particularly, we're talking about developing countries, particularly sub-Saharan Africa, but also India. There's a rapid rate of increase of transmission uh, in India, as well as uh, the Soviet, former Soviet Union, Southeast Asia, uh, Central and Southern America. So it's, it's everywhere. And uh, so I know that you work with CANFAR, Canadian Foundation for AIDS Research. Uh, so what is it that you do at CANFAR? I chair, chair the Scientific Advisory Committee for CANFAR, uh, and that's the committee that uh, looks at all the grant applications. So the purpose of CANFAR really is to raise money in support of research and to provide education about HIV and HIV uh, risks and prevention. Uh, so... We call for research proposals, which will be coming out in December. Uh, people from across the country submit their ideas for innovative ideas for, grant, uh, for research. And I chair the committee that looks at these and selects the best ones for funding uh, during the next one to two years, depending on the project. So research is still very important. You still need a lot of money to do this. We, we do. Uh, we really, there, there are many things that uh, need to be done, uh, both in terms of prevention, but also we're now actually starting to talk about the possibility of cure, which is something that wasn't even whispered uh, only a few years ago. I bet. And so CANFAR, along with the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, is funding two large projects, one of them in children and one of them in adults, looking at issues uh, around cure. And uh, so we're quite excited about these, and we think that before too many years, we'll have some good possibilities uh, to look forward to in terms of trying to eradicate the virus from the body. And I know that you happen to have uh, a big fundraising event coming up this week called Bloor Street Entertains. Yes, that's the largest fundraising event that CANFAR has. Uh, And uh, uh, many... Businesses along Blur Street uh, open their doors in the evening, and we have caterers uh, volunteering their time and uh, excellent chefs from some of the best restaurants. Uh, And so people gather at the different uh, venues uh, for a wonderful dinner as part of this fundraising event. And and then afterwards, they all get together at the ROM for an after-dinner party. All right, so people want to find out more about that, they can go onto the website, canfar.com. You can also find out more info about the, um, the research that yeah. uh, CANFAR has been supporting. Thanks for your time, Dr. Reed. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And uh, so, again, canfar.com, if you want to find out more. I, 
you know, the studio, I'm in here by myself because earlier I had Chef Rob in here. And uh, Mike Catherwood I have as my technical operator right now. And so we are in different rooms, but it just, <laughs> this whole studio smells like rosemary and pork. <laughs> Because he opened up, uh, I opened up a sandwich. Uh, Mike, I will share it with you. Would you like some? Oh, I'm sure I can have a bite. <laughs> you could totally have a bite. Um, I also came across this really fun story. Well, I don't know if it's a fun story, but I thought it was uh, a quite interesting. In case you haven't heard this, um, Los Angeles International Airport, they are, they've gotten approval to build a special terminal just for celebrities. So you can get really mad about this for a second because if you have, I had to fly out of Pearson last week and I had a 6.30 flight, which meant I was at Pearson um, at 4.30 in the morning because I was flying to Jamaica and I definitely want to be there two hours in advance. It took me so long to get through security that wouldn't it be amazing to have, you know, an extra terminal and extra bodies. But no, in LA, they're opening up just a, a terminal just for the rich, the 1%. They will um, basically allow celebrities and other important people to avoid paparazzi or protesters. They can be dropped off in their cars behind closed doors, and they will be driven to the plane, so they only have to walk like 60 steps compared to the rest of us who schlep all the way down that moving conveyor belt thing that often doesn't work, and there's always people blocking it because no one knows that you have to you know, stand to the right and you walk on the left. Left. And um, that's what's going to happen because you know what? When you're a celebrity, you shouldn't have to walk walk to the plane. Um, but that also, if you do become a celebrity, remember friends like us. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, everyone. Uh, Paychen.com is the website where you can find the podcast. Have a great weekend. Thanks to Mike and enjoy your weekend. And I'll be back next Saturday at three.